Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Whether you're listening to us or tuning in via video on heattreattoday.com forward slash radio, we're glad to have you. Today's Heat Treat Radio episode is with Heat Treat legend Doug Peters, a name of industry fame. Doug Peters, with his wife Jackie Coon Peters, founded Peters' heat treating company in 1979. Over the course of his career, Doug Peters has served on numerous community service and industry trade association boards, including having served as the millennial president of the Metal Treating Institute. Today, you'll hear about his experiences in the heat treating industry, which include unique insights into starting and running a successful family operation, and his advice from all these years. Today's sponsor is Heat Treat Consultants. Get answers to your business and metallurgy problems straight from industry experts. Search www.heattreattoday.com forward slash consultants. Let's tune into the discussion with our guest and today's host, Doug Glenn, publisher and founder of Heat Treat Today. So Doug, really good to talk with you. So nice. I mean, we've known each other for many, many years, but it's really nice to uh, get a chance to sit down with you here on Heat Treat Radio's, our Heat Treat legend and uh, a, a an appropriate an appropriate title for you, I think. So really glad you took the time to talk to us and just welcome to the episode. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, first thing we do in these episodes, Doug, is just kind of give people a sense of you, the person, before Heat Treat. How did you get into it? And a little bit of the history of your your experience uh, getting into the heat treat industry. So, And and you know what? Why don't you start with this, too? Because not everybody knows this. Just tell us where you're located as well. Well, we're located in Meadville and McCain, Pennsylvania. We have two plants. Uh, total square footage in the plants is probably roughly 70,000 square feet. Uh, you know, my history goes clear back to my farm days. Uh, our family farm, been in our family since 1885, opened a retail milk store in 1963. Well, my mother had no babysitters, so I had to go to work with her. And during that time, I was taught how to prepare a storefront. By the time I was 12, she had me cashing out the cash register and reconciling all receipts at the end of the day. Uh, you know, when Mrs. Brown pulled up out front, who was elderly, you went out and met her at the car and got her bottles for her and helped her in and out of the store. So a good amount of my business acumen, believe it or not, came from my mother and that experience. Uh, I graduated from Penn State with a degree in business, but uh, en route, tried to be a pharmacist. So I ended up with 40 credits in the sciences. Went into the insurance business because I felt as though I needed some toughening up people-wise. Uh, ended up being an insurance agent for three years and had one question that I always asked a customer, and that was, if I'm a genie and I can grant you one wish, what would it be? And every tool shop I called on said, we need a good heat treater. Well, I had, I had worked for my wife's father in a tool and die shop summers as a saw boy, et cetera. So I sort of knew what heat treating was. Well, I went and discussed it with him. He gave me the name of a gentleman who had just retired from Talon. Uh, 32 years, the head of the heat treating department. I called him on the phone. I paid him under the table and he taught me the trade. And without him, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Likewise, my father-in-law bought us a building and gave it to me one year rent free. And my father, who was a railroad engineer, showed up every day after a full shift and help me fix the old broken down equipment that I bought to start the business. So, and then, then there was Jackie sitting behind the scenes who did all the books. She was a full-time school teacher. And, uh, you know, we, I went three years to the day without a paycheck. My first paycheck was a hundred bucks. So that's how I got started. 
Yeah. What what year did you actually start the the heat treat? 1979, October 79. October 79, you started the heat treat. Wow. Yeah, and great family involvement too, right? Your dad, your father-in-law, Jackie. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know something. You, you, certainly you you can't accomplish anything by yourself. And without those guys, Jackie yeah. would not have been able to do what we did. Yeah. Yeah. That that's great. That's great stuff. And uh, so when you look back then on, so wait, let's see, 79, help me with the math. How many years, how many years was that ago? That's, let's see, 80. Well, you know, know, in 2020. 40 years, anyhow. It have been 44 years ago. Yeah, 44 years ago. So in the 44 years, um, highlights, you know, what, are there one or two, two or three major accomplishments that you would, when you look back, you say, you know what? This was a major. This was really something pretty significant. Well, you know, I, I think probably the most satisfying thing to me are the, the families of the employees that we've had over the years. I've watched them get married, buy homes, have children, have grandchildren. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been very lucky to keep a very tenured staff over the years. Being involved with uh, not only the employees, but our customers and within the community, being able to contribute and, and help people uh, as a result of what we do here at the Heat Treat has really been the most satisfying thing to me. Yeah, yeah. Business, I, I, I don't want to underemphasize under that. I think that is a, that's a classic Doug Peters answer, too. You know, you are one of the, one of the more people, most people-oriented people I know, which is great. You share that. I told my wife when we were starting Heat Treat today, I said, you know what I'm looking forward to is paying people. I don't know why I why I wanted, why I was looking forward to it, but it was good. So I, I appreciate that perspective. I appreciate that perspective. So uh, as far as, as uh, anything jumped to your mind as far as actual business accomplishments, you know, anything that, that happened over the years, like, for example, I don't, this may or may not be one opening the McCain plant or, or, oh, you know. well, yeah, I suppose, you know, if you, if you look at those things, to me, those were just normal courses of business that better serve customers. Um, you know, we started out with four little box furnaces, maximum capacity, 20 pounds. Um, you know, and, and my first employee was my loyal dog, you know, so, uh, and as we move forward, you know, I was lucky enough to work for a very innovative group of customers because we were on the cusp of tool and die morphing uh, with the advent of computers into enabling or demanding of us to really do more than traditionally what heat treating had been responsible to do. So for instance, one of the things, one of the early things we did was we learned how to not control size, but influence size on a particular part and design to eliminate hard finish time on tooling. That was one of the things that we, we did a lot of work in. We did a lot of work in straightening. Uh, early cryogenics work, I mean, back in 80 and 81, I bought a machine that would take uh, uh, gaseous CO2 and compress it into uh, very pithy dry ice. And then utilizing ethyl alcohol as a catalyst, I could drive temperatures to minus 70, minus 75 degrees. Experimenting with that, we uh, found that we could improve uh, the stability of materials that were being manufactured in the shops, but most of all, improved part life. So that was the advent of us getting into, you know, uh, liquid nitrogen cryogenics in the, in the very early 80s. 
Um, from there, we graduated into vacuum furnaces. Uh, you know, we have nine for nine vacuums presently. Uh, in 06, we bought 20,000 pound nitriders uh, that can do up to 138 inches in length. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, uh, the, the, the specification uh, requirements grew and grew as we move forward. So, you know, at this point in time, and I've got to give, uh, you know, my son-in-law, Andy, my daughter, Diana, and his staff a lot of credit. Jackie and I had a company that was ISO, uh, you know, uh, and, and we had, uh, we could work the AMS 2750 pyrometry specifications. When Andy and Diana came on board, they, they took us uh, to NADCAP, and uh, Andy just put in a destructive testing laboratory, for instance, that is, uh, we just had our first AS audit. So, you know, those capabilities are now online and uh, we've grown to nearly 80 employees. And so, you know, when you look at the major accomplishments over the years, uh, a, a lot of them technical uh, credit goes to the people out on the shop floor that, that really put their shoulder on the wheel and pushed with us to, to go through the disciplines that are required to gain those things. Yeah, yeah. I'd like you to address two other quickies on the just accomplishments, if you don't mind, Doug. Uh, you and I have had a long history in the Metal Treating Institute. Just like you to have a comment about your your activity there, including you know the fact that you were president, and then also, would you be comfortable commenting on Laserheart? Oh sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. So those two I, things, if you don't mind, MTI and Laserheart. Well, you know, I, <laughs> MTI, our company would not be successful without MTI, or as successful as it is. I uh, will give Jackie the credit. In 1988, or in 1984, I bought a, a fluidized bed from Wally Bamford. And as we sat at dinner after we had signed the, the purchase orders that evening, Wally shoved an application for MTI under my nose. And he said, you've got to join this organization. And I, I asked him what it was about. And he told me, so Jackie and I joined. Well, we didn't do anything for four years, except look at the sales reports and everything else. Well, my wife signed us up for our very first meeting in 1989. And once we got there, I went, oh, my goodness, have I been missing out on how to grow the company? It was at that meeting that I met Chet Walthall and Roger Keyman, who ended up being wonderful mentors and friends of mine. And, uh, you know, I treasure those guys so much. Uh, the other fellow that I met through that journey was Jack Ross, who owned Ironbound. And Jack would allow you to come into his plant and he'd share anything as long as you were an MTI member. That was his only requirement. So, uh, you know, Lance Miller was our executive secretary at that point. And uh, I, I, my first involvement at MTI was getting a call from Chet Walthall congratulating me because I was on his education committee. And then uh, forward planning, which is now strategic planning, I called Lance and said, uh, could I go to the meeting that was being held in Pittsburgh? I was not on the committee, but my contention to him was as a 40-something I really thought that there, somebody younger should be on the committee that was planning the future of the Institute. So thus my involvement, it just mushroomed from there. I was, was the millennial president in 99, 2000. I have been on numerous committees, uh, chaired uh, the Education Foundations Institution with Norm Graves and I, Norm was the treasurer. In fact, if I may interrupt, in fact, you were one of the founders of that educational foundation, if I'm correct. Uh, and, and you know, there were other people on, on our committee too, but uh, you know, to, to be able to see what the Education Foundation has grown to and how it will support the industry moving forward, uh, I'm very pleased to have been part of that. 
and we've got to make another note here since we mentioned Wally Bamford. It wasn't long ago that Wally made a very significant contribution to that that foundation. Oh, you're doggone right. Well, you know, our, our initial bogey was a quarter of a million dollars. We weren't going to take a nickel out till we got to 250. We pushed it over 250. And uh, that's when I stepped aside and we had different uh, folks take the chairs. And uh, then we pushed it to 450. And now we're giving scholarships. And, and matter of fact, we had a recipient here at the Heat Trade to the Founders Scholarship. Uh, and then, of course, Wally at our 90th anniversary gave us a million dollars. And so now we Canadian. have- Canadian. Canadian. Yes, yes. And I'm going to call Wally to make sure he looks at this podcast, Doug. Yeah, so, exactly. It was, so funny it. it was just <laughs> so typical Wally Bamford, right? And you know, he's up front, he's talking, he says, and I'd like to donate a million dollars. And everybody's, you know, oh, and then, and then he leans in, he goes, Canadian, you know, to yeah. into the mic. Very <laughs> yeah. classic. But, you know, Wally needs a lot of credit there. But yeah, uh, one other quick question before we get off MTI. Any other people in your family been the president of MTI you'd like to talk about? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, my wife, Jackie, who was our president in 2015. Um, it was my pleasure to carry her briefcase that year and watch her. <laughs> yeah. Her tenure at the board level uh, and through the chairs was longer than mine. Yeah. She served yeah. on numerous committees and uh, she's received uh, a few awards and, and you know, so deserving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you share the same. You, you, We share quite a bit in common. Right. First off, we have the same names. Right. Doug and Doug. We also have wonderful wives. And if you're like me, people in MTI, they can tolerate you, but they really like your wife. That's the way it works on my side. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody says hi to her before they say hi to me. Exactly. So we exactly. It's, it's we, right. we married well. We both married well. <laughs> So that's good. So, okay. So MTI, thank you for commenting on that. I just felt that was important. You've been, that's one of the reasons why I think both you and Jackie really are kind of heat tree legends. You've been very active in a lot of different things, MTI, especially tell, tell just briefly about laser heart. Laser heart has been a, a joint family venture, uh, good friends of ours and customers, the learn family. Uh, they have been doing laser welding and cladding for a good number of years and, and are, uh, uh, principals in Alpha Laser in North America. And uh, Patriarch Blair gave me a call and said, I want to show you something. And I went down and looked at it. And when it was all said and done, we decided to partner because he knew lasers, I knew heat treating. And uh, we felt as though there was a real need. Um, the things that we've done with Laser Hard in solving issues that cannot be solved in traditional heat treating uh, do not cease to amaze me on a daily basis. And the type of customers that we're attracting, including uh, you know, large tool makers, Tesla, Ford, there's all kinds of people that have come and worked with us uh, you know, on applications that, that you know, we uh, have had an opportunity to, to, to pioneer, literally. And uh, it's just been a wonderful partnership and I can't say enough good things about Phoenix Laser Inc. That is the formal name of our partners company. And uh, the Learn and Peters connection continues to thrive. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And we get, if, if anybody wants additional information on, on Laser Hard or what, what did you say, Phoenix? Phoenix Laser Solutions. So I want to I want to make sure people know a couple of names we've thrown out there just just for reference. Obviously, you've mentioned Jackie as your wife, right? And you've uh -huh. also mentioned Andy and Diana uh, Wilkos. Uh -huh. which is uh, Diana, of course, is your daughter. And mm -hmm. uh, Andy is now 
plant manager, president. He's the president. He's the president of the company. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. And, uh, you know, a little kudos out again, back to the MTI relationship. Uh, Andy did a good bit of uh, interning, I think, down at uh, Texas Sea Tree with Buster Crosley, if I remember correctly. That is before correct. He, he worked out at Buster's plant for three years before he came yeah. off. Yeah. And, and uh, just not that my opinion counts, but, you know, both Diana and Andy seem to be very accomplished uh, folks. They They represent Peter's well. Is there anybody else that, as you look back on your career, people that have had a significant impact on you and helped you along the way? There's been so many people. I, I, I almost feel remiss in naming a few names for, in case I forget somebody. There, you know, uh, obviously, Mr. Weller, Greg, who was that talent, uh, got uh, head of heat trading that, that gave me the start. Uh, you know, my two dads, the two moms, I mean, uh, Jackie's mom taught me one of the most valuable lessons in business that I that I tell people about. And I carry forward sitting up at the house on a Thursday evening because every Thursday Jackie's mom would watch our children when they were young. So Jackie could come to the shop and do payroll. And then she started having us up for dinner after work. I was up there one evening and she sensed that I was a little troubled with something. And she said, I, you have something on your mind today. And I said, yeah, I've got a few things going on at work. And she said, well, might I suggest that uh, I have a question? Can, uh, can you do anything about them right now? And I said, well, no. And she said, well, then I suggest that you uh, worry about them when you can do something about them. And it was absolutely the best piece of advice I ever got because I learned how to put some of those things on a shelf and deal with them, you know, when I could deal with them. And I think it, it saved me, uh, you know, a lot of grief and a lot of stress over the years. Obviously, Chet and Roger giving me the confidence to think that I was good to good enough to do this. Uh, Jim Balk up at Hanson Balk. Jim was a, a real mentor, and he gave me the confidence that I was heading in the right direction. We shared many of the same uh, philosophies about how you take care of customers. Uh, you know, I'll talk about Lance Miller, who who really put the love of the industry inside of me. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I can't say enough about Lance. Uh, and then you look down that long list of, of the, the notables in the industry. Uh, you know, shout out to Roger Jones, who's who's going through a battle right now with cancer. And, and, and Roger, you know, we love you and we hope that everything comes through for you. Uh, John Hubbard, who's a really good friend of mine and who was an industry giant, uh, you know, with his uh, career and his seat at Body Coat. Um, like I said, Jack Ross, uh, and, and just the different people, Doug, that I've met over the years are, who are just phenomenal people, you know, and, and MTI right now, I believe is in very capable hands, but Tom Morrison and his staff. So I, I, I feel very good to still be part of MTI. Any lessons that, and you've mentioned some, but, uh, would you like to expound on any, any lessons that you've learned? Like the one that your mother-in-law gave you, I think was a, is a valuable one. You know, don't worry about it till you can do something about it, but any, anything else that you've learned as a, as a senior in the industry that you think's worth, worth discussing? Yes, I did just call you a senior. <laughs> well, well, you know something, and I suppose some of these things that you learn along the way, but you know, growing up, be a finisher, my parents stuffed right inside of me, be a finisher. Um, you know, put all the tools away where you found them. I, one of the things from being in business that I can tell you is very valuable is when your name is on the sign, you accept all blame. 
I've never in 44 years ever thrown one of my employees under the bus to a customer. Okay. I accept the blame because when something goes wrong in this building, it it was something that that I take responsibility for. And 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 you know, you you do not ever throw somebody under the bus. You go back and you work with them to perhaps correct the behavior, uh, the execution or something. But uh, that, that one's been really important to me because, you know, you, you do not tear down a person's dignity as you work with them, whether it's a customer or uh, one of the folks that, that you work with inside of your building. So, you know, that one's been very, very important to me. How about as you've worked over the years, I'm sure, you know, the way you started working back when you were a young man and, and as you progressed up through, were there any disciplines you developed that really helped make you either, you know, a better person or a better businessman or anything of that sort, anything that maybe even you continue to, to this day? Number one, being up really early in the morning so you have personal time. Because, you know, a lot of people complain that they don't have personal time. They lose themselves in, in, in their vocation. And uh, my father was a big uh, contributor to that. I remember one time, dad used to go to work seven o'clock in the morning. He was a railroad engineer. He'd get up at like 4.30, quarter five. And I said to him one day, I said, dad, why do you do that? And he looked at me and he grinned and he said, because you're not. <laughs> okay. But the point that he made was that that was his time. And I think you have to make family time. I don't care how busy you think you are. You have to be able to create that balance and you have to force that balance to happen. For instance, I was home every night by 5.30. I had dinner with my children. I played with them. We worked on homework. When they were young, I'd help bathe them. And if I needed to go back to work, I would kiss Jackie and go back out the door after the kids were snugged in their beds. So they knew who I was. Jackie, on the other hand, used to bring the kids to the shop. In the early days, I'd be working weekends, she'd pack up a whole dinner and she'd come over and we, she'd bring the dog and the picnic table would be outside or we'd have a family dinner together. But I think when we were together, we never really tried to not talk business because we always had our family first, business second. And so that made that formula easy. And the only goal we ever had for the company, Doug, was to be with our children when we wanted to be with them. And when Diana graduated from college, I looked at Jackie and I said, what's the goal now? And she said, to be with our children when we want to be with them. That's great. Well, you've addressed the other question I was going to ask you. And really, it's about work-life balance. And I think you're, yeah, that's that's really good. So as you know, 40-some years, uh, not it, not every day is sunshine and roses, right? I mean, there sometimes can be difficult times. Can you recall a difficult time and if you're comfortable talking about it what was it and what did you learn from it well we've had two fires one in each plant and uh, each fire was not a result of anything that was uh you know a, a delinquency on our part but having to take each one of those buildings and sift through the rubble and to rebuild up each one of them uh, certainly was a i think a character tester um you know losing key employees at the wrong time and it, all it did was reinforce why you do contingency planning, why you cross train, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I, the one thing Jackie always said was it was wonderful being married to somebody that liked what he did for a living because I seldom came home downtrodden. And there were a lot of nights in the early days of building the company. I'd be crawling into bed at 1030 when the phone would ring 
and third shift would be calling off and we only had two guys up there and I'd pull my pants back on and go back to work and then stay the whole next day, you know, and, and I did that numerous times as we built this company. Those somebody might say are trials and tribulations, but to me, it was just part of the job. It's what I signed up to do and there'll be no whining. You've got your pants on, you went to work and you were fortunate that you had a, a job to go to. I mean, there, obviously there were some valleys there, like, you know, the fires and things of that sort. How about the the highlight? What was, if, if you could pick one thing that was the highlight of the, of your career, what would it be? Um, well, there were a number of highlights, you know, watching the kids go through school and be successful in, in their respective careers and, and watching my wife be president of MTI in 2015 was a super, super highlight for me. Uh, being fortunate to be asked to serve the Institute and uh, to win the Heritage Award was something that was very special to me. Uh, here in Meadville, we have what's called the Winslow Award. It was started by Dr. Harry Winslow many, many years ago uh, to the person that contributes the most to making sure that the Meadville economy is sound. I was the proud recipient of that in 2022. And the, the list of our the list of names in that award locally is is just amazing too. So I, uh, you know, and, and to not have made a bunch of enemies is is something that, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, because you, you have those instances where, you know, you you have a difficult time sometimes, uh, a job that's gone bad or or you know, whatever. And uh, I'm very proud to say that most of the time when I see somebody I haven't seen in a while, I, I, I'm glad to see them and I think they're they're glad to see me. So, you know, that's been a pleasure. Yeah, that's great. Last question for you then. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned you and I both were kind of getting up there as being seniors in the industry. Any piece of advice you would give to younger people? Well, I think first and foremost, don't lose sight of who you are. I'll go back to my father again. Dad looked at me one time and said, don't become what your job is. And this all stemmed from him being a, a really beautiful woodworker. He could do woodworking that was gorgeous. And I asked him one time, why don't you do this for a career? And he said, well, it would be a job then. And in the course of that conversation, he looked at me and he said, don't become what your job is. He said, be a great person that enjoys the job you choose. And I always tried to make sure that that's who I was because uh, you know, I chose this vocation because I love to serve people, not because I love to heat treat. It just so happened that heat treating was the vehicle that, that fulfilled my dream of serving people. And, you know, dad was spot on because, you know, when you retire, how many people do you see that are completely lost after they walk out of their place of employment and they don't know who they are? For me, that's not been the case. I, I've been completely fulfilled. It was time. I'm, I'm happy to be on to the next stage of my life. And so don't become what your job is. It's the first piece of advice I'm going to give these folks. Secondly, um, eat the frog. You know, do the most unpleasant thing that you have to do every day first because your day's only going to get better. And I'll give an MTI seminar that I went to that gave me that piece of advice. And uh, last but not least, take the three most important things you have to do tomorrow and write them down on a notebook and put them right in front of your computer at your desk at work. So the next day when you walk in, there's only three things that are clouding your mind instead of a list with 50 things. And if the day gets worse, Turn the page and write one down. 
and take the other two off the list. And it'll help you focus and it'll keep you moving forward. That's that's really good. Good good advice. You know, you were talking uh, about being not not be, being the not being your job, not becoming your job, which reminded me of a picture I saw of you years ago, sitting behind a drum set. Tell us about that just a little bit. Oh yeah, I started playing. I started playing a drum, drums when I was in eighth grade, and uh, my father was a drummer, and he was a USO drummer. And uh, he, he was a sergeant in the transport corps during World War II in the European theater. And uh, dad taught me how to play the drums. And I did take some lessons for a short time, but not as long as I would have liked to have. But then I had a rock band and I've continued to play over the years. I, and, and I play with artists on records, you know, so and I've played my pretty much my whole life and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, very good, good. That's the that's the human side. That's great. All right. Doug, thanks very much. I appreciate the time you've taken to, to visit with us. No, thank you, Doug. It's always a pleasure. Follow and like the Heat Sheet Radio podcast wherever you're watching or listening so you don't miss alerts when the next episode drops. If you'd like to hear more about Doug Peters, go to www.petersheattreat.com or reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. You can also connect with me if you have a new or interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio or would like to sponsor an episode. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank the Heat Treat Consultants for sponsoring this episode. Access industry expertise when you choose an expert on www.heattreattoday.com forward slash consultants. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening.